0: All right, so open up your Bible, and we'll get going here. Verse 17, chapter 3. Uh, It was great to have Ben uh, last week. He just really did an awesome job, I thought, and he's such a blessing to us. Uh, He sent me a text last night saying, hey, this isn't actually as comfortable as I thought it was going to be. I said, hey, why don't you just ring the bell and come back? So anyway, I don't know what he's going to do, but I don't think he probably won't ring the bell. Anyway, uh, chapter uh, three, verse seventeen. John, John is. Let's let's just kind of give a little bit of an overshot again. Remember, there's some there's some teaching that's crept into the church, that is, uh, it's not good teaching. It's not sound teaching. It's it's, it's contradiction to uh, to what the church is meant to be teaching. Um, it's it's likely a gnostic kind of a teaching, which means that it's gnosis, the gnosis gnostic, the what you really need is the special knowledge. You just need this kind of this, uh, this enlightenment so that the Christ that's within you can kind of flourish and grow and, and, and come up. It's very new age, really. It's, new age stuff isn't very new. It's actually quite old. It's been around a long time. And, and anyway, John is teaching against this. And so, so he's continually talking about the actions of the believer. He's talking about, look, if you... You'll, you'll do these things. You'll follow. you Because part of Gnostic thought was this idea that the flesh didn't matter, that what really mattered and the only thing that was really true and what mattered was, was, was the spirit. And so they didn't mind necessarily what was going on in the flesh. They were like, you can just live however you want to. You can do whatever you want, because at the end of the day, you're just going to crumple this up, and then you're going to live as your true self, which is your spirit self, and all of this stuff that you do in the flesh doesn't matter. Well, Well, that's a contradiction to what Christianity teaches. Christianity teaches that what you do today and what you're doing in your life, it does matter. It does matter, and it has eternal ramifications, and it has the possibility that when we focus our life on the things of God and we abide in God, then the things that we're doing, the purposes and the reasons that we're living for, can have real eternal value, and we can really be living our lives on purpose for a real purpose versus a shallow purpose that the world would kind of give us that would begin to say, hey, well, this is what life is all about. So John has been warning unbelievers in this. He's got this really harsh warnings that are saying, look, if you, if you say this, if you kind of would say, okay, I'm going to check the Christian box. Like, I don't know. What am I? I don't know. I guess I'm a Christian kind of a thing. But there's nothing in your life that would evidence that. There's nothing that in you that has a desire to follow God, you're just doing all of these things, you're, you're going in these other directions, then what John is saying is, look, you sit in a really precarious spot. Like, like if, if there's nothing about you, if you just, it's all just about a report that you would say, yeah, this is who I am, but the reality of your life isn't matching up with this, you're not, you're not abiding with Christ, you're not living for Christ, you're not doing these things, then, then you, you should take a heed and take warning and, and maybe even ask the question, Am I really a Christian? Because I'm not a Christian. We're not a Christian because we say we're a Christian. We're a Christian because he says we're a Christian, right? We, we, we align ourselves under, under what he has said. And, and of course, there is the proclamation or the, you know, of, of, of saying you know, that Jesus is Lord out of our mouth. And when we say that and we, we're living that and walking that, then, then, then we can have some assurance and stuff. There's correction that he's giving also for believers, and that correction is this very thing. Like if this is who you are, if you're in Christ, then, then it should, it, your life should, should match this. Your life should have some evidence, there should be some fruit that people can see in your life that would evidence that you're a believer. You know, when I'm driving, my, my, my kids always told me this, they said, Dad, like here's, here's the road, I'm going like this, they say, Dad, here's how you drive, right? So, and it's true, I'm, I'm bad, I'm, I'm, I'm a gawker, I, I look all over the place all the time, I'm like, what's going on over there and stuff? And, and so, and I'm on the interstate state, right, and I've got the, the, the rumble strips, I'm bad to hit the rumble strips, you know, I could be a tester for those things, I mean, I could just run around and test for the rumble strips, ask Anna, she'll, she'll, she knows, right? It's true, it's true, I admit this, and, and those, those rumble strips really are a correction, Right, it's a correction. It's this time where you're like, "Hey, you're kind of off course here just a little bit. You're, you're not really on line. Try. You need to get back over into your lane." And, and and John is is giving this this correction for believers as well in this thing. He's kind of helping us. And not only that, he's not just giving us correction, but he's giving us instruction. He's telling us how to do this thing. You abide. You, you continue to abide. And again, the word abide is we, we get the word abode or make your home there. To abide means to stay there. To abide doesn't mean to visit there occasionally. To abide means to stay there. It means to be immersed there. Uh, it means to marinate in that. So as we marinate in, in, in God, in his spirit, in his word, in, in what's going on, you see, more and more our lives are shaped into something that's in conformity to who God is. The more the time that we spend in in God's word, the more we understand his character. And it begins to shape our thinking until our thinking begins to agree with with who God is. So verse 17, I'm gonna back up a little bit, and Ben went over this just a little bit, but it says, if anyone has the world's good and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him... um, How does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. I'm just remembering here that I don't have my clicker. So a matter of the heart, that's what we're calling this thing, that this is a matter of the heart. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. See, love is really a verb. Love is an action, love, when we really talk about loving and the kind of love that God is calling us to, it's an action word that God is calling us into action. We can't just be a people who talk about it, but we really need to roll up our sleeves and get involved in the work of God right here in the redemption of the world that we live in. We have to be a people remembering and understanding that the kingdom has now come and that we have the opportunity to join in kingdom work with God. What a crazy, amazing thing, isn't it? That we have the opportunity to join God today in kingdom work. That really should get us super excited. James talks about this in James 2. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, oh, just go in peace. Be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? You know? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now let's remember, let's clarify here, you're never working for your salvation. Salvation is completely separate from any work that you could do. You cannot earn it, you cannot deserve it, you can't be good enough to have it, you can't be intellectual or smart enough to have it. You, you cannot you can't buy it, but you can have it. But there's one term on that. The only way that you can have it is by a free gift. It's the only way that you can have it. And you simply receive the gift of salvation. It's not about how good you've been. It's not how bad you've been. It's about how good the God has been on your behalf and what he's done on the cross, that Jesus has paid the penalty for sin, and you can do nothing to deserve that or earn that. But once you have that, then our lives should be marked with this goodness of God, that, that, that we should be a people who don't just say when we see someone who's in need, oh, well, hey, I see that you're freezing and you're starving to death. Hmm. Be warmed and filled. See you later. No, no, the action really comes into this. If we're going to really love this person, it really merits action in this that we would love in words, not just in words, but in deed and in truth. Now, notice, too, that he's called us to live and to love in truth. And and that's a little bit more difficult thing at times. I mean, I think that that's, that looks like at times that we're telling people, we're talking to people, and we're doing it in love and we're doing it respectfully. But there are times where, where you want to, you know, if you have the opportunity and somebody will allow you, sometimes we speak truth into people's lives and say, hey, what's your, maybe what you're doing or how you're living, maybe... Maybe you could look at something else, but this isn't bringing life to you. It's not blessing you. This is cursing you, and it's, 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 it's breaking down your, your marriage, your, your family, your, you know, whatever that looks like, your community, yourself. You know Those are times. So, so part of loving is also speaking in truth. Verse, uh, verse 18 says, By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. So he says by, by doing this, he's telling us, look, there's a great return also for doing this. When you, when you do this, you're actually going to get a good return for this. This is going to reassure your heart. It's going it, to demonstrate uh, both to the world around you and also to you. It's going to witness to you there's going to be a good return for having done this. Now, now here's the interesting thing about this, and I'm just like all of you here. There are so many times, see, ministry is never convenient. And it's never really just on my timeline or going to be on your timeline. And so there are many times where there's opportunities to do things, and you know what? In reality, I don't want to. I really don't want to. I'm like, man, I got this going on, or that gets in the way of this, or that's kind of hard, or feel like that? We get in this idea and this mindset that we're going to lose if we actually follow through with some of these things. If we actually begin to love like this, and we actually, we say, well, man, then I'm going to lose time. I'm going to lose possessions. I might lose money. I might lose... uh, But you see, again, in God's upside down and backwards kingdom, we actually win. See, we win these things by losing. We actually win by losing in this thing. You know that? It's an it's, it's interesting, interesting thing. You don't win by winning. You know. Nobody comes to Jesus on a winning streak, actually. We only come to him when we recognize our need. We come to him when we recognize that we, 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 we've fallen short and that we have a need for something outside of ourselves. And the reality of who we are is that we're selfish. See, the reality of even so many of our good works is that our good works are motivated by our selfishness, our desire to look good in front of other people. There's not necessarily a purity to it. Or maybe to get a tax deduction or whatever that might look like. But we, so many times, our heart, there's an issue. There is a matter of the heart that has to really be dealt with. Where it says that we'll assure our heart here, verse 19, by this we shall know we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. Right? So... Um, this idea of, of reassuring our heart means to kind of convince by argument, that we'll, we'll prove to our own heart the reality of who we are and in through doing these things and actually participating in these things. See, because it goes on and it starts this interesting thing. It says, for whenever our heart condemns us, verse 20, first half of it, for whenever our heart condemns, condemns us. Now, wait a minute. When we start to talk about the heart here, let's understand that we aren't just talking about our anatomical heart. We're not talking about our our physical heart. To the ancient people, your heart was the seat of your emotions. It was was your desires, your affections, your passions, your impulses. It was the seat of the intellect. This is the heart that we're talking about whenever we start to talk about this thing. And what does the world say about your heart? Follow your heart. Just follow your heart, and everything will be rosy and peachy and and wonderful. It's an amazing thing that is so uh, consistent to just take you into a place that will just bless you. And if you just feel like something, you just do it because it's all going to just be a blessing. That's what the world says about our hearts, right? And sometimes we make movies about that. But you know what the Bible says about our heart? It doesn't agree with that, that the heart is deceitful above all things. Your heart, my heart, will lead you into sin. And then you know what it will do? It will turn around and it will condemn you for the sin that you just participated in. It will. Our feelings, if we just go on what we want to do, what feels good to us, what, what I think might serve me today or what I want, if I just follow my heart, now there are exceptions to this, I get that, but many, many times what will happen is that that heart will just be an extension of my selfishness. And it will just lead me into things and desires that will serve me. And as, if I, as I begin to just live my life as a means of just serving me, that's going to lead me into sin. I'm just going to be serving myself, serving the things that I want to do. It's going to lead me into sin, and then my heart is going to turn around, and it's going to condemn me for that very sin. See, and our hearts are kind of like that. They're, 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 there's, a, there's a problem with our hearts. See, Jesus said this about our heart. He said, he said, for from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all of these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. See, so many times what I want to tell myself is that it's all of the things that are external to me that are messing with me, that are causing me to do these different things. If it just wasn't for this thing, then I wouldn't do that or whatever. But that's really not where this thing gets turned around to. It begins to tell us that there's a heart issue within us. Jesus is telling that As a matter of fact, he tells us, too, that whatever comes out of our mouths proceeds from here, right? That which comes out of the mouth, it proceeds out of our hearts. So, so what's coming out of my mouth, what's, what's part of my common day and my, my, my communication with other people, am I, am I, am I negative, am I, am I a pessimist, am I angry, am I... Just these things, these things just bubble out of my life. Well, guess what? It's an indicator of a barometer that God says is on the inside of me about what's going on in me, and it starts and has its origins within my heart. And this is why the Bible really teaches, and and the gospel is about the regeneration of a new heart. It's about a change that happens not externally, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Once we let God in on the inside, when we receive salvation... And the Spirit of God comes to to indwell us, and and we become the temple of God. And and He comes, and He lives in us, and He begins to work in our lives, and He begins to to change us. See, we start from a false premise in the the world. The world will teach us and say this and believe this, that we start from a place where we're good... And then we end up in a place where we're not so good or we're bad because we've been influenced by the environment around us. And don't get me wrong, there's, there's definitely some truth to that and there's some reality to that. Our, our environments are incredibly important and you, you very much are a part of your past and your experiences and the things that have happened to you. But, but really, the, the, the deeper problem is, is, is this one that's, that's in, that is on the inside. See, we didn't start from a place where we were good and worked from a place to where we're bad. We've actually started from a place where we're not so good and bad, actually. And what we need to be working towards and what Jesus has come to do is is to work us into a better place to change our heart, to to give us a new heart, right? We have this real heart problem. You see, and, and here's the thing, your heart, it condemns you. See, we're told to follow your heart, but in reality, see this The heart is like this really bad friend you have, right? On one hand, it's telling you, oh, you're so wonderful, and you should just go and do this or that or whatever. But then it's like, I know who you are, and I know what you're doing. You know you have more conversations with yourself than anybody else, right? By far. More internal dialogue, right? And and this heart will turn around, and it will begin to, to, to try to pin identity on you. It'll begin to try to tell you, who you are. And ultimately, what that looks like is it'll begin to tell you that you are your actions. You are who you've been. You are your shortcomings. You are your sin. You are this thing that you can't get rid of, that you keep struggling with, that this is who you are, that, that you are, um, you know, you, you are, uh, you're condemned. That's what it'll tell you. It'll tell you that there's no hope for you, that maybe you're the one who just went that much too far and Oh, of course, God's grace is extended to everybody on earth, we get that, but man, for me, I don't know, I just think I probably went that much too far, right? See, these are lies, these are not the truth. And you see, well, God doesn't look at you like that. You know, God never looks at you and and is upset. He he never looks at you with contempt. He never is mad or angry or anything with you, if you're in Christ... When he looks at you, he sees Jesus, and he sees the reality of the identity that you hold, who you truly are. See, in that salvation, our identity is changed. Why? Because he's greater than our heart, right? The rest of verse 20, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've messed up. He knows everything. Thing you've done and the thing that you think is back in the closet that maybe nobody else knows about, God knows about it. And guess what? He loves you, he cares about you, and he has a plan for you, and if, you're, if you've not received a relationship, if you've not received salvation from him, that, that's, that's the first thing that he wants to get right with you. He wants, to, he wants to give you salvation. He wants to save you from that. He wants to give you a new identity. This is why we see the, the people in the Bible. When God gives them a new name, Abram becomes Abraham, right? Simon becomes Peter. Why? Because your name is is your identity. It's how everybody looks at you. It's how everybody identifies you. But God wants to give us this new identity, to recognize that you can be a new creation, that you can be made new. You see, because God is greater than our heart, and where our heart would condemn us, God will tell us the truth. Tell us who, who you really are, that you are a new creation, that you are wholly blameless beyond reproach, again, that your sin has been separated as far as the east is from the west, that it's been buried at the bottom of the ocean, and he has chose to remember it no more, that Jesus said it's finished, and when it was finished, it was really done. And so now we live in the tension of the already but not yet, right? This has already been done, and we already have victory. We're already in this spot, but we're waiting for it to really fulfill itself. And one day, that's gonna happen, and whether that happens on an individual basis where we leave this earth and we transition into what's next and, and this sin nature is removed from us and, and I can't even imagine what the, or maybe it's that Jesus comes back and we all do that at the same time. One day, one day, the great hope is that all of that stuff is gonna, is gonna be removed. You see, he changes our heart from the inside, and he tunes it into the truth. He tunes it in so that we can hear and we can understand. We have communion with God. And you see, he is truer than your heart is. See, your deepest fear and my deepest fear is that if we're known for the reality of who we've been and what we've done, that we'll be rejected. But here's the gospel. It's greater than that. The gospel is greater than that, that God does know all of the things. He knows everything about you. He even knows more about you than you know about you. And his grace is there to cover and extend it to you, and his love and his compassion and his kindness is available to whosoever would call upon the name of the earth. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. So it says, wow, you know, if, if we can have confidence before him, if your heart isn't condemning you, if you have believed the true identity of who you really are, if you've understood that, if you've, if you've, if you've come into this, to this idea that... that you know, that this understanding that, uh, that I'm not condemned. That, that that voice that sometimes is condemning me on the inside is a liar. Then it grows faith, it, it builds faith, and we live out of our true identity. You see, Galatians 2.20 says this. It says that I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now lead in the flesh, I lead in faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Because he loves me. See, my identity is no longer found in myself. My identity is now found in what it was always meant to be found in, which is my relationship to my Creator. See, you and I were never meant to walk separately and independently of a relationship with our Creator. We were created for this very thing. And when we understand this, we know that I am not my past, I am no longer my past, I'm not my actions. I'm not my things, I'm not my profession, I'm not my poverty, I'm not my wealth, I'm not my sexuality, I, I'm not these things that the world would pin on us and say, this is the extent of who you are, there's a higher calling, a greater understanding, and it says that you're holy, you're blameless, you're beyond reproach, that you are a new creation, And that all of the brokenness in our lives, all of the struggles in our lives can be undone and can be healed and can be changed by this great God who is greater than our heart that would condemn us. David cries out, "Um, oh, let me back up here, sorry. And I will do whatever you ask, this is Jesus, in my name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son, you may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, Jesus. Aren't you glad you came today? Because now you just, as Tri said, I can ask for anything I want. 1 John 3 says that whatever we will ask, we receive from him. Well, okay. But here's the thing. See, that comes out of a right heart. It's got to come out of a regenerate heart. You see, prayer is never meant for to move God into our direction or into our will or what we would have or, or want to do. Prayer is, moves us into what God's will is. And you see, when our heart, when we're abiding in Christ and we're living in this, we're marinating in him, we're, we're knowing him, we're knowing his, his mind and his character and his nature, and we're, we're growing relationally with him, you see, it starts to change the things that we want. It changes the desires that are in us and then the thing that we begin to pray for are the things that are already on the heart of God, and those are the prayers that God is ready to answer, and he says, pray whatever you want. You see, there's a condition on that. It says, in my name, right? This means it's an ambassador of. It means that it's the one who has been sent on behalf of. Like if I said, hey, um, you know, uh, John, I want you to to go over here. I want you to represent me at this meeting or whatever. Then my expectation is that John is going to represent me and according to his relationship and his understanding of who I am and the very things that I would want to see, the things that were on my heart, you see. So when we ask the things in Jesus' name, It means that we're asking as a representative or an ambassador to him. And you see, an ambassador puts their own will aside and represents the needs and the desires and the wants of the country or whatever they're the ambassador of. It's a changed heart that God wants to bring to us. David, in Psalm 51, he says this, "'Create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a loyal spirit within me.'" This is David crying out after he's hit his knees for for just this blatant sin of where he has had an adulterous relationship with one of his best friends, and then he had his best friend murdered to cover it up. Things that were like, whoa, David, you just went too far, right? Right? You, you did it too much there. You went over the line. I don't know if you can get back. But you see, when David hits his knees, he recognizes his need for God. And he says, create in me a clean heart. This word create is the word word. It's the same word that is used in the beginning where it says God created the heavens and the earth. It means out of nothing. It means that he he doesn't take anything that you got left, but he is a God who can create in us a new heart. Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will take the heart of flesh, it goes on to say. I will remove that that heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh in its place. I'll change your heart. I'll, I'll I'll do a work on the inside of you. You see, and this is a God who is the only God. He's the one who, who we've got to look to because he is the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. He's the God who takes nothing that we bring to the table and recreates it into something amazing and something beautiful. Because we, whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. You see, when we're following along with God, it's, it's, a, it's a demonstration, and there's a reality to it, and there's a spiritual principles that, that go along when we're abiding, we're marinating, we're, we're in Him, that we, uh, the, we're going to be asking for the things. It, it's not a hindrance to our prayer life, but see, if we walk out of that and we're not doing the things that are pleasing to God... And the things that we're called to do, that becomes a hindrance to our prayers and to our prayer life. That's the point that we begin to ask for the wrong kinds of prayers and things like that. And this is the commandment, it says, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. This is the gospel, right? The command that he's given. How do you have a new heart? How do you be a new creation? How do you be changed? You, you ask. You simply ask. We admit, we admit that we're sinful, that we, that we have a problem, that we've got skeletons in the, in the closet, that we haven't always done the right things, that we've been an offense before a holy and perfect God, that we've hurt people, that we've done things that we had ought not to have done, and that we believe. We believe that Jesus paid the penalty for that, that he paid and he settled that debt for us at the cross, that he paid for all of the sins of humanity for the sins of the whole world, so that He might make a relationship with Himself possible to us. And then from there, we commit to that. We commit to follow Him, to make Him the Lord of our lives, to trust that, to just receive that free gift, and to live out of that, to abide in Him, to become truly followers of Jesus, not church attenders, followers of Jesus, that, that, that would be evidenced by our lives, that people would understand and People might even think that we're a bit peculiar in what we do and why we might do some things, why we might uh, spend our money at times uh, the ways that we do and, and, and these kinds of things. See, this is the gospel, and the gospel is basically what he's telling us is love God, love people. Love God first. You've got to abide in him or you're not going to love people because we're going to all need some serious strength to love people. Okay? That's just the truth. People aren't always easy. It's not always easy to love each other. It's easy to love those that we love or those who love us, right? But that's that's, that's not where God has left us. God has left us in a place to to love those who who hate us, to love our enemies even, and to pray for them, right? Him in us and us in him actually brought into the very presence of God God. bigger than that, really, even brought into the very Godhead itself through the Spirit of God. This is your true dwelling place right now, honestly, is in Christ, and He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated in power right now, and you with Him at this place. But the only place that we can do this and the only way that we are able to do this thing in this life is by the Spirit. And that's this idea of abiding, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God, the Lord Almighty. Proverbs tells us this, it says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life, right? To keep our hearts. That's that correction that John is calling us to, is is, is how are you doing and what are you doing this? Are you keeping your heart? Are you guarding your heart? Because out of this place, you want it to be good because from it flow all the springs of life. Or death, literally. I mean, we, we do things and we can live in ways that look much closer to death than life. So what does God want from you and me? He wants your heart. He wants your heart. And, 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 and then he wants to do something with your heart. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to recreate your heart. He wants to have something going on on the inside that maybe wasn't there before. And then through that, he wants us to to guard our hearts, to stand on that ground, stand on those victories that he has purchased for us, and live in that place. Just stand in that. You'll see if you you look at the armor of God or different different places like that, it, it just talks about us. Just stand firm. When he takes ground in your life and he makes something, he helps you in an area that you needed help in, now stand firm in that. Don't let the enemy have that ground back. Let him keep taking life, keeping ground, keep taking ground on your behalf. And when he does, keep standing in it. Stand firm, believing and trusting, abiding in him by the Spirit, not by your might, not by your power, not by anything that you do, but simply by staying connected to him. That's how this works. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that that you uh, are not content to just leave us how we are. You you, you don't identify us. You don't give us the same identity that our heart and that the world would try to give us. You you never say that we are the product of of our actions and what we've done, that we aren't our sin, that we aren't our shortcomings, but that we can be something new and something wonderful. We can be a new creation in you. Not because we're good or not because we have this figured out, but because you shed your blood on a cross that you gave life to us. So you gave the, the possibility of, of life and, and goodness to us. And then you, you instruct us, you, you warn us and you, you give us warnings and you, you help us. You, you, you don't condemn us, but you do, uh, you do let us hit the rumble strips every once in a while for some correction not to defeat us, but to grow us and to help us, Lord. And we thank you that you never look on us with contempt, that, that when we would look on ourselves with contempt and our own hearts would condemn us, that you look upon us with love and you look upon us with, with uh, your goodness, with the plan that you have in mind for us, the plan to, to prosper us and to give us hope and a future. And we're just grateful. We're grateful that you're such a gracious and loving and good God. And we pray that we might go out of here as, as a people that match that heart, that our heart might beat with your heart, and that we might uh, be a people who have a desire, a deep desire to follow you, to, uh, to love well into the community, that as we go out of here uh, this day, that we would be uh, mindful that you have, you have work, you have things that you're going to put in our way, you have, you have divine opportunities and appointments that we'll face throughout our week. Um, things that are uniquely ours and a, and, and a gift to us and, a, and an opportunity. I'm praying for each one of us that we would recognize those opportunities and that we would know that, that, that yes, it's super important that, that, uh, that the church comes here and it gathers and it gathers to, to give praise and worship and encouragement to one another, but it's, it's, it's crucial and it's vital that the church goes out of here and into the community and, and, and makes a difference. So, Lord, we just pray that you would give us strength and courage this day, that you would strengthen our hearts, uh, that you would align our will with your will, that we would be praying the very things that you're, that, that you're ready to move on and, and the things that are in agre- agreement with who you are and your own heart. Help our hearts to be with yours this day, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.